want you to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 18, if you would. Y'all doing okay? Are you blessed? Psalm 18, look at verse number 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. That's a good thing to do, by the way. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we are so grateful today that you have ears. We're so glad that you hear us when we call, when we cry. I just pray, Lord, that as we study your word today, that there would be no distraction. We would be completely focused on you and what you desire to do in our lives, in our homes, and in this church. We give you praise. We give you thanks as we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're studying the anatomy of God. Started a series a couple of weeks ago. My curiosity was piqued several years ago, actually, and I began to just scribble down some notes. I found that the scripture used a lot of human body parts in describing God. It was curious to me. What does God look like? We started off talking about the anatomy of God. We started with what matters the most, in my opinion, and that's the heart. You don't have a heartbeat, nothing else really matters. So we started by studying the heart of God. We found out that the heart of God is full of compassion. It's full of forgiveness. The heart of God is full of love. We moved to the face of God next. We studied this last week. The face of God. What makes the face of God shine? Number six says, may the, the Lord's face shine upon you. In other words, May God look down with, with, with pleasure, with pride even. That's my son. That's my daughter. I'm pleased. What pleases the Lord? What makes his face shine? God's face shines when we put him first daily. His face shines when we trust him completely, when we obey him wholeheartedly, when we praise God continuously, and God's face shines when we serve him willingly. Our text today tells us that God has ears. I want to take just a few moments before we leave today to talk about the ears of God. I would encourage you to take some notes. You'll retain far more if you write down as well as listen. You're going to see notes. You're going to hear me speak some things, but then to write it down, it's a threefold retention this way. Get in the habit of taking notes. I think it will really solidify what God is desiring to say to you. And you, wanna, you want God to speak to you, right? You want to really take that home, right? So this is why I encourage you, maybe take some notes. We're, we're studying the ears of God. As we study this portion of the anatomy of God, let this sink in. God has ears. What does that mean? 
well, what do ears do? Not to be too simple, but I think we need to be very simplistic. God has ears, which means God hears. But not only does God hear, God responds. This is what I want you to understand today. God has ears, and because he has ears, he hears. But he doesn't just hear, he responds. As I studied for this message, I noticed the word cry rise up off the page in relation to God's ears. Imagine for a moment God hearing you when you cry. And maybe some men thinking in their head, I don't cry. You men don't cry. I feel sorry for you. I want God. I want tears flowing down off my cheek. I want God to break me. I think we're supposed to be broken. We need to cry. Imagine God hearing us as we cry. There are three cries that I want to focus on that God hears. Three cries that God hears. First of all, he hears what I've called the battle cry. God hears the battle cry. This is the voice of faith. It's the cry of faith. How many remember the Sunday school lesson of David and Goliath? Anybody remember the story of David and Goliath? David was a teenage boy. He was a shepherd. He was from a fairly large family. Older brothers. The brothers were trained for battle, trained for war, and in fact, they went to war. David is out in the field tending his sheep, and his dad calls out, Hey, David, it's almost lunchtime. Mom has prepared lunch for your brothers. I want you to take it out to them. So David stops tending the sheep gets the lunch that mom has made for the other brothers who are soldiers, they're warriors, and he goes to the battlefield, but not to do battle. David simply went to bring lunch. You might want to open your Bible to 1 Samuel 17. I want to draw out some points here in 1 Samuel 17, some of which will not come up on the screen, but I want you to see it there on your phone, on your tablet, on your actual leather-bound edition. You might even have a real Bible. I don't know. And I'm, I'm all for the tablet version or the phone version. Believe me. Just get the Word in you. Come on, somebody. Get the Word in you. But open that up, 1 Samuel 17. Follow along with me. David goes out to bring lunch to his brothers, and as he's saying, here's the, the cheese and the bread, and, and, and he's distributing, he keeps hearing something in the background distracting him. It's a giant. I mean, literally, it's a giant. They, scholars, suspect that Goliath was nine feet or so in height. I mean, we, we, we think seven feet is, is out of this world, and, well, it really is. That's pretty crazy. Imagine two more feet on top of that. Big boy. Goliath. He's giant. He hears Goliath off in the distance taunting 
reviling God and God's people, swearing, cursing, mocking. David's like, what is going on? Who is this? And why has no one done anything about it? How come nobody is going to tell him to shut up? I shouldn't say that. I said that before and I got in trouble. Tell him to close his mouth nicely. We had a family service and all the little kids were in here and I said that. It's a bad word. It is a bad word. Sorry. What's going on? Who is this? And nobody's, nobody's doing anything about it? David finally says, okay, let me go. David volunteered. Remember, he's a teenager. Just coming to bring his brother's lunch. David volunteers to go out and face Goliath, nine-foot giant. Just before David takes down the giant with his sling and his stones, this is the Sunday school portion that we all know well. He went to the brook and he got five stones, smooth stones. We've written songs about it. We've heard this preached. Just before he brings down the giant, he speaks in faith. It's really, a, to me, it's a battle cry. This is what I want you to see. 1 Samuel 17 46 and 47, he said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He's talking to to Goliath right now. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down. I will cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the field, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword, not with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. It's his battle cry. He said five words. Leave that portion of scripture up if you don't mind just for a moment. He said five words that turned everything around. He declared and spoke in faith. Five words. The battle is the Lord's. I want you to imagine a giant standing before you. I don't know what that giant is. I don't know what that giant looks like. It it may not even have a human form. Probably won't. But imagine a giant standing before you, taunting you, mocking you. What are you going to say to the giant? Are you going to let him keep backing you up, intimidating you? Are you going to keep cowering to the giant's voice? It's time for you to sound the battle cry. Do you see the giant? I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say these same five words to your giant that David said to his giant. Ready? One, two, three. How nice. Isn't that sweet? 
You think that's going to really intimidate the giant? I mean, he really barely heard that. The battle is the Lord's. See, God's stirring faith inside of somebody today. You thought it was because you were hungry for lunch. That's not what's going on inside of you. There's a stirring. There's a rumbling, not a grumbling. Come on, there's a, there's, God is doing something today. Don't let your giant intimidate you any longer. You let faith speak and sound a battle cry. I'm going to count to three again because I think you could do it a little bit better, a little bit stronger. I want you to see the giant and speak in faith. One, two, three. And it's so true. The battle doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. This was David's battle cry. David spoke in faith that day. Let me encourage you. Speak out in faith. Speak out in faith. Speak in faith when others are against you. Not everybody likes what God is doing in your life. or Not everybody understands what God is saying to you. Joseph had visions and dreams, and he, he heard God. God gifted him. Not everybody liked that. In fact, some actually hated it, including his family. David's family didn't really get it, did they? Eliab, one of his brothers, he ends up talking to David. This is part of the scripture that won't come up, but I want you to see it. Verse number 28. He's saying, what are you doing away from the sheep anyway? You're not even supposed to be here. Drop off the cheese and crackers and get back to the sheep. You have no business being here. You just want to see the blood. You just want to see the battle. Go back home. His own family didn't get it. They didn't see it. They didn't support it. David, he decides, I'm going to go talk to somebody else. So he talks to other people in the camp. Why isn't anybody doing something about it? I'll go. And they answer the same way. Verse 29, look at it. They answered him the same way. He turned away from his brother towards some others and spoke the same way, and they answered him the same way. Speak in faith when other people are against you. Family was against him. Other people were against him. Sometimes church folk don't get it, and they may be against you. Speak in faith. Don't forget this. There's always an enemy that's against you. His name may not be Goliath today, but he's still bigger than you. The enemy, Goliath himself, was against David. David finally has the courage, you know, and he says, I'll go. He starts, starts out, and, and Goliath is like, what? First, he probably laughs, but then he's all, he's all offended. Goliath is offended. He looked at him with disdain. Look at verse 42. He disdained him. You're going to send a teenage boy to fight me. I mean, Goliath didn't even support him in doing it. 
Goliath is against him. He said in verse 43, look at it in your scripture right there. Verse 43 of chapter 17. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The enemy punking out David. What's David do? <laughs> he sounded a battle cry is what he did. He spoke in faith. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Speak out in faith when other people are against you. Speak in faith when appearances are against you. <laughs> the pastors and I went to Catalyst a week ago. They had a couple of comedians that kind of keep things going, and they, you know, they're the transition guys, and they just keep you laughing. And they had this little sketch, go, an ongoing little sketch about this university that they were that they were starting. And I can't go into all of that, but they came to this one little part, and they were talking about their music school. And they said, "We want three volunteers." And so they had a woman from this section and a man from this section. And Tyler's his name. He's, he was looking for another volunteer. And there was a young boy. He was just, ooh, ooh, you know, raising his hand. He's close to the stage. And Tyler's like, what are you even doing here? You're, not, you're too young to even be here. You shouldn't even be here. So he's like, all right, just, all right, come on. So he lets this 10-year-old come up on the stage. And so they say, now here's the first lesson, and it was chopsticks. Dun, 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 dun. So they said, well, let's let the little boy go first. Ten years old. Let's let the little boy go first. So this little boy sat down and started playing the keyboard and did the chopsticks, just exactly like Tyler had done. And so he says, oh, he did it. Come on, everybody. And everybody clapped their hands for this little boy. And the next thing we knew... This little boy, 10 years old, just did a riff down the whole keyboard. And then he just took off. He was a piano virtuoso. He was a ringer, and we were all got. I'm telling you, our mouths dropped. We, I was looking around, people were just like, Dan, I'm not kidding. Ten years old. He was on America's Got Talent. He was just a guest that they wanted to introduce in a, in a clever way, in a creative way. This kid took off and began to play this just, it was like Beethoven or something. It was classical and it was, it was unbelievable. Then he did the flight of the bumblebee. I think every key got touched, black and white, every key. We, we like jumped to our feet. Everybody in the room just jumped to their feet. It was so unbelievable. I mean, it didn't fit. His appearance didn't fit. You weren't thinking that a 10-year-old would be able to do this. 10 years old in the 10th grade. And next year, he's going to be a senior in high school, skipping the junior year altogether. And already has his college laid out. His appearance totally was, didn't fit with what he could do. Here's David. 
His appearance didn't fit. I'm talking about speaking in faith even when appearances are against you. You see, his brother said some things that were actually probably on. He was too young. He wasn't even trained for battle. He's trained to watch sheep. He's trained to clean up after sheep. There's a little mini sermon right there that I'm going to not even preach. Cleaning up after the sheep. He wasn't trained for battle. He didn't have the look. He was too young, too scrawny. The Bible says he was ruddy and handsome and good looking, but he could have done a number of other things. He was, he was good on the harp. He could play. He could write songs. But we're talking about battle here, buddy. Uh, you know, go on. We got the lunch. Go home. His appearances were completely against him. He didn't even have the proper gear. He didn't, he didn't come prepared for battle. And so there's battle gear. There's battle wear. His armor. He didn't even have the right armor. He didn't have any armor. But he spoke. Speak in faith when others are against you. Speak in faith when appearances are against you. Speak in faith when results have not yet happened. <laughs> when results are not obvious, they haven't even happened yet, still speak in faith. David began to remember how God had helped him in the past. Here he was out in the field one day, and all at once, down from the mountains came a hungry bear. And what did David do? He took his sling, he took a stone, and he killed the bear and saved the sheep. He remembered on another day, out from the brush came a lion, out of nowhere, so it seemed. What did David do? He took his sling, he took his stone, he did what he knew to do. He did what he had done previously, and he slung the sling, out came the stone, and the lion was killed. And I believe that faith began to rise up in David, and he began to see some things that day that had not yet happened, and he began to say some things that day that had not yet happened. Hallelujah. Look at verse number 46. He said, this very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and this day I am going to strike you down, I'm going to cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all may know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. David had not yet killed the giant. David had not yet even slung the sling. The stone had not been released yet. It had not touched his head yet. But David began to see things in the faith. David began to say things in the faith. And it's time for us, church, to begin to speak in faith even though the results have not yet happened. Pastor Creighton is on a new journey. Hallelujah. He's hearing some things. He's seeing some things. And I want to encourage you, man of God, to say those things in faith and let God lead you. Hallelujah. Pastor Moses and Jamie, they are on a new journey. God is transitioning them. He's birthed in them some things. We don't even have a place for them to meet yet. But we're going to say we do. Come on, say it, Pastor Moses. Just declare it in faith. God already has it lined up. Hallelujah. I don't know where you're going to meet yet. I don't know if it's in the community center. I don't know if it's in some meeting hall. But God already knows. Hallelujah. 
and we are going to declare and speak in faith. Souls will come to know the Lord that are lost. There's a whole community that we believe the enemy will not have. The giant will come down because the battle is not mine. The battle is not yours. Come on, somebody. The battle belongs to the Lord. Speak in faith. Even though the results have not happened. Speak in faith. See, faith says, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. Faith says, I don't know when God's going to do it, but I know that God is going to do it. Faith says, you may be bigger than me, but my God is bigger than you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Faith says, I may be too, too young. I may be too inexperienced. I may not have the proper ar armor, but the battle does not belong to me. Faith says, the battle belongs to the Lord. Come on and say, the battle is the Lord's. Come on, say it again. The battle is the Lord's. I'm going to have you chant this for just a little while until we get it in us. Say it again. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, say it again. The battle is the Lord's. Tell your giant again. The battle is the Lord's. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. It doesn't belong to you. You have no business going out to your giant. You don't even know how the giant's going to come down, but you have to see in faith. You have to speak. I'm talking to you today about the ears of God and the fact that God has ears. He's hearing, and because he hears, he answers, and there will be results. Speak in faith. Let your voice be filled with faith. God is God. He is able. Come on, high five your neighbor. Tell him he's able. Hey, he's able. God hears the battle cry. God hears, number two, let me give you this. God hears the battered cry. The battle cry is the cry of faith. The battered cry, that's another cry altogether. That's the cry of fear. The cry of hurt. You ever been hurt? Huh. You ever been disappointed? You ever just felt like you had just been beat down? Who do you cry to? David cried to the Lord. Another chapter of his life, he's a teenager when we're talking about David and Goliath. Now he's, he's in another chapter of life. It's our text. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. You've got to get this. He heard my voice. My cry reached his ears. Why is he distressed anyway? Well, David's distressed because of his enemies. See, he, he brought down Goliath. That's, that's an enemy, right? But just because you take the head off of one giant doesn't mean there's not going to be another enemy come along and want to fight you a little bit later. You get this? You better just be ready because there's a real enemy 
that doesn't want you succeeding. He's got enemies after him again. One of his enemies used to be his buddy. His mentor, really, King Saul. He would call for David. I can't sleep. Go get David. I, I just, I'm restless. I'm stressed out. I, I, I'm, I'm distressed. Go get David. If anybody can help me, I know it would be David. David comes in, plays the harp, I don't know, sings, worships. A word came for Butler in the first service. Powerful, powerful word that I told her I would write this down and tuck it away. Because I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a word from the Lord that is transitional for her whole life. That's how powerful it was. Am I right? And God told Butler he's given her a double portion. An anointing. A double portion of an anointing. That there has been an anointing throughout her, her bloodline, something like this. But a double portion is coming to her. And she will have the anointing of David. And as she opens her mouth, distressing spirits will leave people. And people who are bound will be delivered and freed as she, under the anointing, begins to worship and, and praise. That's what David had. And Saul would call on David. But everything turned. And then the one he thought was on his side, and he was on his side, they were working together for the same cause all at once. They're not really together anymore. It happens in church all too often. I want you to back up from verse number 6 and really see the context of David praying this prayer. Verse 4, the cords of death encompass me. It's, it's like wrapped around my throat. It's about to strangle me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. Verse number 5. The cords of hell, Sheol, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. He's just at the edge of death, really. Distressed. Stressed out. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I know. I'll cry out to God. And he cried out to God in his distress. And the Bible says that he heard his cry. Let me encourage you today. When you're distressed, cry to God. When distress comes, when fear comes, just cry to God. That's what David did. You've got an enemy pursuing you, everyone in the room. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, He's just constantly going to try to take us out. You need to know that. You need to be fully aware. There is an enemy pursuing you. And you're going to get stressed <laughs> and de-stressed. Cry to God. Cry to God. When distress comes, cry to God. When disease comes, cry to God. After the fall of man in the garden... Man became prone to disease or sickness of all kinds. When I say disease, I'm just talking about illness, physical ailment. 
okay? What happens when that comes? And it comes. All of us will be touched by this. I believe in God's healing power. I'll, I'll proclaim it and I'll offer it to you as long as God uses me here. You know that. We've got anointing oil right here. We believe in anointing with oil, laying hands on the sick and praying the prayer of faith. We do it. And I've been healed. But then something else comes. Disease, another sickness comes. Another hurt comes. Wow, what do I do? I cry out to the doctor. My doctor's name is Dr. Bland. I picked him on purpose because of his last name. I thought if he has that name, he can't be all bad. I'm telling you the truth. And for 15 years, we've had Dr. Howard Bland in Seal Beach, and I found out he's not so bad. He's really a great guy. He takes good care of me and my family. And I do get on the phone, and I'll, I'll call Dr. Bland. I'll cry out to Dr. Bland, right? And he'll help me. I believe in doctors, okay? But there's a limit to what a doctor can do. There's a limit to what any human can do. When disease and sickness comes, I believe we're to lift our voice to God and cry out to God. There were two blind men in Matthew chapter 20. They went out of Jericho, verse 29, Matthew 20 and 29. As they went out of Jericho, a crowd uh, followed him. And behold, there were two blind men. Watch this. Two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, what did they do? The Bible says they cried out. They cried out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. Boy, I could just preach that right there. And stopping, Jesus called them. Let me just squeeze this in right here. When you cry out to Jesus, he'll just stop everything for you. He just, you just get his attention. Jesus stopped. They were crying. He's walking. They're, they're moving somewhere and just boom. What was that? Somebody just cried out for me. Somebody just cried out my name. Uh, Jesus stopped, and he called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Jesus had pity on them, touched their eyes, and immediately, come on somebody, immediately they recovered their sight and they followed him. Let me just say this today. If you're in pain, if you're sick, if you are diseased, if you have illness, cry Jesus, because he hears the battered cry. When distress comes, when disease comes, when discouragement comes, we're to cry out to God. Jonah was completely discouraged. Here's another little Sunday school lesson reminder for you. Jonah and the whale. We know it well, most of us. God called Jonah, gave him an assignment. Go and tell the people there's judgment coming. Jonah decided he was going to take matters into his own hands and run from God. Let me just tell you something. You can't run from God. We talk about the long arm of the law. How about the long arm of the Lord? You can't run from God. He knows where you are, and he'll go to you. Jonah was trying to run from God, and God caused a storm to arise. And they throw Jonah over the boat. Jonah says, listen, I'm the reason. You get rid of me, the storm's going to subside. So let's get rid of him. They throw him overboard. God caused a whale, well, a giant fish, probably a whale, 
big enough to swallow a man and him still be alive while he's in the belly. Caused the whale to swallow him. Look at what Jonah said in verse 2 of chapter 2. I cried out to God, cried out to the Lord because of my discouragement, my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the whale, well, out of the belly of hell, really, I suppose it would feel like you were in hell if you were in the belly of a whale. I'm in the belly of hell. Sheol. I cried to God. And he heard my voice. When discouragement comes, we've got to cry to God. Jonah was discouraged because he's in the belly, belly of the whale for three days. I mean, imagine the, the stench, the rot, the stinkiness. Now, I don't have time to preach this portion, but he's in the belly of the whale because he disobeyed God. Sometimes we find ourselves discouraged because of choices we made back here, because of steps that we made back here, because of seeds that we sowed back here, and now we don't like the outcome. Now we don't like the fruit of what we did back there, and so we get ourselves discouraged. The lesson there is just obey God way back here and you won't have to worry about waking up in a stinky fish. You won't have to worry about waking up in a stinky pig pen like the prodigal son did. The prodigal son, the Bible says, he came to his senses in the stinky pig's pen. Jonah in the middle of the whale, in the belly of the whale, in the middle of his discouragement, he cried to God. And I want you to get this. God heard the cry of the discouraged, even though it was because of his own choices. Even though it was his own sowing and reaping, he still had the sense to cry to God. And you can cry to God and God will hear you. He hears the cry of those in distress. He hears the cry of those who are diseased. He hears the cry of those who are discouraged. God hears the battered cry. There's one more type of cry that I want to focus on before we leave today. God hears the baby cry. Everybody say, oh, isn't that sweet? He's got the little bitty baby. Well, that sounds sweet. I'm not talking about that, though. Really, it would be better if we just flipped this around. God hears the crybaby. How about that? That's really what I want to talk about. He hears the crybaby. This, by the way, is the voice of the fickle. God doesn't just hear the voice of faith, the battle cry. God can do it, and God's with me, so I can do it. That's a voice of faith. God doesn't just hear the battered cry. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm so discouraged. I'm sick. He hears that. Yes, that's the cry of fear. He hears the fickle. I don't really like that. I don't like the color that, the, that they pick. I've already heard that. You think I don't hear that? God tells me everything. <laughs> I tell my kids, the Holy Spirit's going to tell me. You know I'm going to end up finding out. We really do end up finding out. It's, it's pretty crazy how God reveals. I didn't like the gray chairs. I didn't like the color of the paint. You wouldn't believe what I heard. The vast majority, however, had a voice of encouragement. But there were just a few. 
that had a negative voice. I'm trying to talk to you about the fact that God has ears. And not only does he hear the positive, he does. Woo! And we dismiss and we go have lunch. No, don't you dare leave. He hears the positive, he hears the negative. You've got to know this. You need to hear this today. Because I want to know what's coming out of your mouth. God's listening. He has ears. He's hearing our cries. And sometimes it's just a wah, wah, wah cry. It's a cry baby. I want my way. I want, I want it this way. I don't like that. Do you know that God is hearing that? Y'all quiet on me. It includes the complaining voice. The complaining voice. Well, I naturally went to the children of Israel, God's chosen people. They happened to be held in bondage and in slavery in Egypt for years and years and years. Finally, God sends a deliverer. Wow. He sends Moses. There Moses comes. And he says, let my people go. And we all see Charlton Heston. That's the old school. The newer version, I couldn't remember who played Moses, but it doesn't matter. Anybody remember? Is it? It is Christian Bale. Well, there we go. Is he a Christian? I'm sorry. They witnessed God's miracles. First, I mean, they saw it with their own eyes. Day after day, plagues are coming, and they're knowing this is God. Frogs everywhere, this is God. Flies everywhere, this is God. He's doing this so he can deliver us. Finally, Pharaoh says, you got to get these people out of here. And they go. Millions of them, they're going. Boom. Out into the wilderness for an 11-day journey. I felt so bad. I think we can do that. The enemy says, Pharaoh says, no, 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 I changed my mind. And he sends his chariots and his horses and his army, the best army he has, sends them, sends them out to, to retrieve them back. And there's a wall of a sea, the Red Sea. And now what are we going to do? What's God say? Go forward. How do we do this? And they, Moses takes that first step, and God does the miracle. They see a, a sea of water part. They watch this with their own eyes. They cross themselves. Didn't even get mud on their sandals. What do they do? They find something else to complain about. Well, we're thirsty. Water right out of a rock. Rocks don't produce water unless God says rock gives water. He's supplying water out of a rock. Oh, that tasted so good. Well, now I'm hungry. Burp, I'm hungry now. You know. Okay, I'll make it, I'll make it rain bread. Manna. Woo, look at this. And they get some and then they go, ew, I've had enough of that. If I have to taste this manna one more day. <laughs> so God sends quail. Gives them meat. Look at all the bird poop everywhere. I don't know. I mean, they just found stuff to complain about. They kept complaining. Then they started complaining about the leadership. I, I, I have to say this. When you complain about the leadership, you're complaining about God. That's what, the, that's what the Bible says, actually. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. And I am still prone to make mistakes. I have a wonderful staff and a godly board around me to help keep me in check. And we have a process. If you have something to say, 
that's healthy and biblical. But when you start complaining against me or any other leadership in this church, the bigger picture is you're complaining against God. He has ears. He has ears. Hello. Hey, you can say anything you want to me. Honestly, I have this policy. If you have a rock in your shoe, don't I say that, Pastor Dave? Get it out. That means if you're, if you're irritated about something. Pastor Moses has utilized that rock in the shoe more than once with me. And it's, I, I, it's good. It's just, that's life. Sometimes I thought I said something, I didn't even say it, right? Or I didn't communicate properly or clearly enough. You know, hey. But to start backbiting and being negative and complaining, it's disastrous to a church. It's disastrous. And really, God hears it, and God doesn't like it. One of my favorite complaints, by the way, they said this in verse number five. We remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Oh. Really? You're going to complain over a cucumber? You're going to cause all this mess over some garlic? God heard it. Verse 1, God heard it. Bring up verse 1 for me of 11. The people complained in the hearing of the Lord. One of the scriptures, I had Pastor Dave look up about, there was like 20 scriptures of the people of Israel complaining. I couldn't believe how many. One of them says they complained in their tents. Like God wasn't going to hear that. Do you know God can hear cell phone conversations? The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. The fire of the Lord burned against them and consumed some outlying part of the camp. I'm not talking about just some tents burned down. I'm talking about the tents burned down and everybody that was in the tent burned down. He consumed them. His anger was so kindled. Churches are completely destroyed by this. But thank God that we do not, we won't stand for that here at La Palma Christian Center. We have recognized the enemy's tactics, and we're not going to complain. And if we have an issue or a grievance, we commit to go through the proper channels in order to be heard. Come on, church, you need to be with me right here. Give me a good, strong amen. The crybaby includes the complaining voice. It com includes the lying voice. We see this in Proverbs 6, 16, and 17. Six things the Lord hates. Well, there's really seven that are an abomination to him. I'm not going over all seven. But verse 17 says, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Lies don't have color. We like to categorize them into big, fat, black lies, obvious, and little bitty white lies, and something gray in between. There's no color of lie. Church, God has called us to be people of honesty, integrity, and truthfulness.
And if you will just speak the truth in love, you'll never have to worry about your steps. You'll never have to worry about what you said. Your truth, your, your truthful words and your truthful actions will speak for you. And the truth will always prevail. Finally, the, the baby cry includes the inappropriate voice. There's so much more that I could say here, but I don't have the time and I want to let you go to lunch. The inappropriate voice, gossip. Be very, very careful. If someone continually goes to you, you have to ask yourself, why are you included in the circle? I've had people come to me and say, now, Pastor, I'm just telling you what others are saying. How come they keep telling you and they're not telling me? Why are you included in that circle? Do you like the taste of it, maybe? It tastes, it, you know, there's something addicting about it. You want to go, what else did they say? What else did you hear? You can, get a, you can get a taste for it. You can acquire a taste for gossip. Be very careful. God's hearing you. Slander. Words of hatred. Words of pride. How about this? Swearing. Cussing. Come on. Really? We're God's sons and daughters. Got to be careful what's coming. Coarse joking. Just inappropriate. God has ears. He hears it all. He hears it all. He hears the positive. He hears the negative. Let me recap what I said at the very beginning of this message. God has ears. Because he has ears, he hears. But not only does he hear, he responds. God's response to the battle cry was victory. The enemy was defeated. Goliath came down. David took Goliath's own sword and cut off his head. God's response to the battered cry, well, the two blind men left seeing. <laughs> he heals. How many are grateful that God heals? Wow. He delivers. When we say, God, I'm hurting, he hears it, and he helps us. We get healing, we get help, we get deliverance. But he also hears the, the crybaby, the baby cry. What's the result? What's the response? Well, some die on the outskirts of camp. Some get bitten by snakes. One time when they were complaining, snakes came and bit them. The earth might open up and swallow some people. I don't know. That's what happened. I'm just telling you. The response was, what was supposed to be an 11-day journey ended up being 40 years. And the grumblers and the complainers and those who were negative, they died in the desert. They didn't even get to enter the promised land. The next generation got to go in. Wow. That's some price to pay. I want you to bow your heads. Perhaps you're here today. And you need to just cry to God. You need God to hear you. It's okay to cry. 
cry out to him. Cry to the Lord. He will save. He will heal. He will deliver. He will answer. Thank you, Lord. Perhaps his favorite cry of all is when lost sinners cry to him and say, God, I need you. Lost sinners crying to God. Maybe that's you today. You would just say, yeah, that's me. I need to cry out to God to have him forgive me of my sin. If that's you, lift your hand right now. I want to pray for you. You want to accept Christ today. You want him to forgive you of your sin. Come on, lift your hand and just let us pray for you before we leave. Please, don't leave here today. Pastor Moses is going to sing this chorus. As he does, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And if you've lifted your hand or you need to just get your heart right, I want you to come. Our pastors are going to meet you right here. We're going to pray with you today. We're going to cry to God, and he's going to hear us, and he is going to answer us. Come on, everybody, stand up on your feet. Falling on my knees in worship, giving Step out and let us pray with you. Come to this altar now. Cry to God. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Come on, you lifted your hand. Let us pray with you today. Let's solidify what you're feeling, what you're sensing. Yes, thank you, Lord. Life I place in your hands. God of mercy, I bow down in your presence at your throne. Come on, anybody else, step out. Let us pray with you. Cry to God. I call you answer. Pastor Creighton, I want you to come and dismiss us in prayer today. Don't forget this. Our God has ears. So awesome. Let your voice speak in faith. Let your voice even speak out in fear to him. For in fear, we need to take our fear to the Lord. May God help us. We don't speak the negativity. Amen? Amen. Don't forget about life groups tonight. Father, we thank you for being a God who not only stays beside your people, but being a God who hears us when we cry out. Lord, I pray that you would remind us each and every day this week that you're a God who hears. A God who hears not only when we cry to you, but also hears us in our failures. Father, I pray that your spirit would be in us. Lord, guiding our words, Lord, guiding our hearts so that our words might reflect the love that you've shown to us. Father, help us to speak in a manner 
that glorifies you, to speak in a way that recognizes that you do listen, Lord, that you do recognize the words that we give. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us, and Lord, that you'd guide us throughout this week. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming out. You are dismissed.